five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Falcon 9. Hi, I'm Mark Boucher, and this is the SpaceQ Podcast. With the COVID-19 virus becoming a global pandemic, I wanted to talk to people within the space community about how their organizations are coping and also get a little personal and talk about, well, life at home. Uh, so today, my guests are Bashar Elzin, CEO and CTO, and Neil Woodcock, CEO of Reaction Dynamics, a Montreal-based startup that is planning to offer dedicated small sat orbital launch services. I should point out that when they first got started, they came to me for advice. So full disclosure, I gave them some advice back then, but they've grown well beyond advice for me at this point. So welcome, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Hi. So let's start off with, I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know, How's working from home working out for you guys and your team? Uh, we are doing pretty well, I would say. Well, of course, the, it's not very uh, easy to cope with everything. Like uh, the, the the pandemic, there's always that aspect of of you know. Uh, it's 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 a tragedy in in in, uh, in in every sense of the word. Uh, um, we're pretty lucky to have a, a team that's been working around, working together for a while, and and we're we're getting used to work from home. We're doing pretty fine, to be honest, in the sense that we are uh, super productive on the rocket part. Uh, we also started working and helping hospitals around for some NIV devices uh, as well as personal protection equipment. Uh, so uh, for, for that part, yeah, we are we are doing all right uh the work is still going on we're still working on the rockets but from a distance now uh we couldn't hear you mark sorry my fault there you go i muted my <laughs> mic so that i would get the extra sound no worries. my fault all right neil i was just asking you um do you prefer working from home or at the office <laughs> well i mean right now i live in ndg and the office is in saint jean so it is a bit of a slog for me to go over there uh a lot of the work I do is a bit separate from the theme sometimes, just because I work on the business development and licensing aspects of the company. But uh, I do enjoy very much working with the team. But at, at this time, though, I am dealing pretty easily with the uh, working from home situation. Uh, how isolated isolated are you at home, and and uh, and how are your families? Uh, everyone is doing fine. Thanks for asking. Uh, the, in fact, since we have uh, the habit uh, within the team to scrum every day, uh, we are uh, very well in communication uh, on a daily basis, and we have really been using that method for a while now. So it's the same process, but just uh, far from home and, and, and well, from far from each other. Uh, we keep uh, basically contact with each other through... Uh, you know, we use the application with Microsoft Teams, which is pretty practical. Uh, we have like a, some some sort of uh, uh, unsaid law where when we have meetings with people, we try to have videos so that we can keep that human touch and human connection with each other. Um, and everybody's doing fine. Thanks God. Family's doing fine. Uh, everybody's healthy. And that's that's very important. And you, Neil? Well, I'm uh, staying with my parents right now, and uh, they're pretty healthy. Uh, Myself, uh, I'm, I'm doing fairly well. I'm able to uh, get out and do exercise. Mostly I just go running or 
run up and down some stairs for an hour. But no, I'm uh, I'm managing to cope with the isolation all right. Yeah, Neil, if I remember correctly, you're, you're a gym rat. So, and you like going to the gym early in the morning. So, how the heck are you co- coping with that? Because I know I, hey, I need to go to the gym, but even I'm not finding that I'm not getting as much exercise. I'm thinking about buying a treadmill because this is going to be around for a while. But how are you going to deal with it going forward? Well, I mean, so I, I guess the issue for me is that I can't uh, do very many weights anymore. And that's usually what I went to the gym to do is just to uh, lift a lot of weights. But uh, right now I've been uh, picking up on the cardio side. So I do a lot more cardio. Every morning I try to get out and do running. Uh, I'm trying to do a lot of bodyweight exercises. So it's a lot of sit-ups and a lot of push-ups. It, it's been helping so far. Uh, it's not as good as uh, lifting weights, but it's still pretty good. Now, do you wear a mask when you go out running? <laughs> Well, usually I go out early enough that I don't usually see anyone else, so I can get away without having to wear a mask, for now at least. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, so, all right, um, in Quebec in the last week, um, things are starting to open up a little bit, and I understand that from your perspective, while the team has been pretty isolated uh, from uh, at this point, um, so tell me a little bit how the company is now transitioning to slowly opening up and uh, also what that means for your test regimen. So we have been uh, focusing or we basically shifted the focus from uh, heavily focusing on the the testing uh, before the pandemic to uh, focusing more on design work and analysis. And uh, to be honest, that was a a, a very, very productive time since we managed to move ahead on a lot of the preliminary uh, designs of the rocket on, on several aspects. So uh, we really used that time uh, at home to uh, do as, as, as much design as we can, as much analysis as we can, uh, coding, but also documentation on the work that we've done in the past that we kind of didn't document that much because we wanted to move as quickly as possible on this. Uh, as of this week, uh, the team is slowly going back uh, to the test site while, of course, respecting uh, safety and, and health regulations here in Quebec. Um, so there's currently people on the test site right now preparing for uh, the next week's uh, next week's uh, rocket engine test. So we are resuming slowly. Uh, we, um, in fact, uh, have some interns on board that we kept. Uh, we are uh, doing rather well, I would say, in the sense that we didn't have to let anyone go. We didn't have to cut anyone's salaries. Uh, the interns that we decided to hire, we kept them. Uh, we didn't uh, cut uh, the staff. So that means we can keep up the pace with, when it comes to testing. So now the transition is, is you know, slowly going back from design analysis to uh, test uh, as of this week. Now, you spoke to one of my reporters uh, about how uh, the pandemic is affecting startups in terms of getting some sort of government support if you needed it. Um, Can you just uh, explain that again? And and did you actually wind up applying for any support at all or were you guys fine without it? Uh, We did. Uh, The thing is, uh, as a startup, we are pre-revenue. And a lot of the programs uh, are applied to companies that can generate revenue and that can show uh, revenue loss. In our case, it's it's very hard because we didn't make any revenue. And by the nature of, of being a startup, well, even if you have or had revenue, you will be scaling up pretty quickly. So it doesn't really apply to us. Uh, 
to be honest, the the the, the more the most helpful government agency, uh, federal government agency, was really uh, the Kenyan Space Agency. They they have been able to uh, uh, accelerate uh, the, the 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 process for us to get the refunds because we have a, a grant with them that we successfully secured as of last year. So that was able that, that like that that part helped us a lot with the cash flow. We ended up applying to uh, one program to get the small loan of forty thousand uh, dollars that we successfully got, um, and we are all. Also uh, applying to the IRAP for the wage subsidy, which is a new program that was uh, made available about three weeks ago uh, for startups that are pre-revenue specifically for, for that purpose. So we are still waiting. They are supposed to get back to us and all the other companies that applied within the next few days. So we're crossing fingers. So the, uh, another little bit that I'll add is, is uh, initially, which is very understandable, government tried to help uh, large companies that employed a lot of people. Uh, but there's a lot of nuance between having a big company that is, uh, you know, generating revenue and having a lot of people working and smaller startups that are more, you know, nimble and, and trying to focus on, on, on growth and scaling up. Uh, these companies don't have revenue, so it was really hard to fit within one of these programs. But the uh, addition or, or, or the fact that they added the new IRAP program uh, for, it was, I think, $250 million a few weeks ago, specifically for startups, we hope that this will uh, fit the bill. And, and that was very thoughtful uh, and, and very uh, comprehensive. Now, Neil, uh, with respect to uh, investors and the investment community, if I remember correctly, you guys were in the process of looking at some investors uh, and you've been talking to investors. And now we're starting to hear that investors are starting to shy away uh, from some startups. Uh, how, how's your experience going right now? I mean, are, are, are you guys... Uh, you know, still talking to these investors and is there still the possibility of getting the next round of investment that you wanted uh, closed? Uh, so right now, uh, I would say that it is true there has been a definite uh, chilling effect in the uh, investment community, especially with respect to riskier uh, startups. Uh, at the same time, though, I'm pretty happy to say that we have been able to secure some investment for the round, and the round is still ongoing. And we are still in talks with quite a few uh, investors out there. Um, Bashar is usually the first point of contact with these investors, so maybe he can uh, talk a bit more about what's been going on with that. Uh, Neil explained it really uh, well. In fact, we, as he stated, we successfully secured uh, our initial closing for the Series A. So that is keeping us afloat. Uh, we are extremely lucky and extremely uh, happy to have those kind of investors that are willing to to jump on board despite uh, the the risk and despite the situation and and all everything that's happening around us. So that is uh, putting us in a, in, a, in a good position for the next. Uh, year easily so the company can keep scaling up can keep growing can keep hiring uh, so that was uh, really something that's helpful uh, we are also working on other investors as as neil stated earlier um, some of them are, are are excited to 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 invest some of them are, are a bit more cautious but uh, i mean everything that's happening is pretty understandable you you, you can understand that people are a bit more uh, cautious i would say um, yeah now, we, uh, go ahead uh, well, we feel that the, so far our performance during this pandemic and the fact that we have managed to remain 
well, not just survive, but also start to thrive, even in these difficult times, will be, a, a, of course, an attractive signal to investors to let them know that we're comp- we're, we are able to manage our company competently. Now, remind me, did you announce your Series A, or is that part of the round that you're talking about now? We did. Uh, so we started the Series A as of uh, mid-February. Uh, so we are fundraising $5 million uh, US, uh, mostly from investors in Canada, US, and Europe. And we managed to secure the initial amount uh, for, for that series. So, um, But you haven't secured the full amount yet? Uh, no, not the full amount yet. Ah, okay. We're still working on that. Uh, but we have, I would say, about one-third in the pipeline uh, in talks with people, one-third one to one-half, uh, with people uh, interested, people looking to invest. And I'm not talking about grants. I'm not talking about it's really private investors or uh, government investors. So, uh, you know, government programs, but no grants. And are you, um, when do you hope anticipate that, that this round will, will be closed. Want to go ahead, Neil? Uh, I believe that we'll be able to close it by uh, probably the middle of this summer, if not maybe a bit later in August. But again, it's, uh, that remains to be seen. The, right. This is what we're so, aiming, yeah. So, um, okay, so you're still working. Uh, the investors are obviously still interested. Um, how many people are now working at the company on a full-time basis, and how many interns do you have? Uh, we have uh, 11 people right now, uh, six uh, full-time, and the rest interns. We also have two additional consultants. So if you add consultants, interns, and everyone, uh, there's 13 people. Lucky number. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, that's grown since the last time we've talked. Exactly. Now, um, in terms of the, the testing program, can you give our audience just a little bit of an idea of where your test site is and uh, tell us where you're at within your testing? Um, whatever you can. I know you have to keep some things quiet, but of course, whatever you can. Uh, so we, we successfully demonstrated uh, the our proprietary rocket engine technology that was in November last year. Uh, so we've been able to show that, you know, the the new technology we have works in an experimental setting. Um, and uh, we have been able to get some really interesting performance. And, and beyond that, uh, we basically showed that what we have protected under patents is, is really working. So that attracted the attention of, of some major uh, US firms uh, that are looking into our company, what we're doing. Uh, of course, aerospace firms, they are involved in uh, space exploration. Uh, so that was pretty helpful on that side. Uh, on the other hand, well, we are currently uh, moving on, I would say, uh, three fronts for propulsion. Uh, we are manufacturing right now the full-scale or the large-scale uh, rocket engine, the one we will use for uh, our orbital prototype. And we are also uh, basically scaling up the testing facility because, of course, you are testing a larger engine. You need to have larger test facilities, not only bigger size, but you need to handle larger mass flows. You have to handle uh, more quantities of oxidizer. You have to handle more, uh, well, more trust, and also you have to have it better instrumented. So uh, we are working on those two fronts. We believe uh, within 
by the end of the summer or by mid-summer, our goal is to have a demonstration of the large-scale rocket engine tested um, um, in the new test site. So we are currently testing in the Tetric Mines, which is kind of halfway between Quebec and Montreal City. Uh, it's about two and a half hours, three hours from Montreal. So we have uh, a team that's dedicated uh, you know, for, for those tests, but they are also the same people working on the uh, the engine design. So we make sure that people who are working on design also have the capability to test. I think it makes uh, the team much more nimble, much more agile, much more flexible, but also it makes you think when you are designing the engine, how you will be doing the integration, how you will be doing everything so that you don't end up having an issue that couldn't be solved because you didn't have the knowledge uh, uh, ahead of time. Um, so uh, yeah, that's 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 up for the test. Now, when you say full-scale engine, this is a full-scale engine for your small SAT rocket launcher, is that correct? Exactly. Okay, and uh, have you, I mean, uh, have you guys named your engine? Not yet. We're we're still <laughs> looking into that. There's a lot of uh, names floated around the company, but likely we'll go with something very bland. Or I mean, I don't. Know. I have no idea. We have to have a competition. <laughs> have people oh. name it for us. <laughs> Great. So if you're going to have a competition, <laughs> I'm going to throw in my my my, my suggestion. Uh, you're a Quebec company. Uh, my name is Boucher. No, I'm not telling. <laughs> saying call it Boucher Rocket. <laughs> However, I, you know, I look at Quebec history, and one of the aspects that was very important for Quebec history was Les Voyageurs. You are so correct. You maybe are the correct. Voyageur program or the Voyageur rocket with whatever engine. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, that, that's a very <laughs> good idea. And this is really like we have some folks on board that wanted to name the rocket more science fiction related. I wanted to keep it really Canadian Quebec. I mean, Canada, Quebec, whatever really fits the best. Uh, and this is really something, what you're bringing up is really something that we looked into. And, you know, for now, we're just, we've been focusing on making the engine work, when it will work. And I think when it will show us uh, all the, the the light and all the fire, we'll be able to be more inspired to find <laughs> proper name. <laughs> but no. it's, it's, yeah, I like that idea. Now, without giving away any intellectual property, which you wouldn't, um, yeah, what differentiates you from other rocket startups? Uh, and in particular, because I know a little bit about this, I mean, is it the engine design or is that just pretty straightforward? Or is it what, uh, what you've told me in the past, which is uh, your proprietary fuel? Um, what really, well, Hybrids have been around since the 30s. We, 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 we didn't invent hybrid rocket engines. Uh, the issue with hybrids is you can really run hybrid rocket engine at peak performance for only a few seconds. I would say 10, 15 seconds, give and take. Because the problem is when you burn your fuel, um, your combustion chamber, uh, well, the fuel in the combustion chamber regresses. And, and that really, to really make things simple, that will shift your oxidizer to fuel ratio. So you'll end up having uh, a performance, combustion performance, that's not really at peak efficiency. So we have a solution for that. So we can run our hybrid rocket engine for extended durations while remaining at peak efficiency. So what are what, what's the advantage of us having hybrid versus other companies? We can really 
reduce the complexity of a launch vehicle by one or two order of magnitude. So we can assemble it faster. We need much less components. Uh, we need much less people to design, develop, qualify, and test these components. So that means we can have a vehicle that is way cheaper. Uh, we believe that we can launch uh, our uh, rocket at, and the, the price point will be anywhere between ten to $13,000 per kilo, which is at least three or four times cheaper than our competing dedicated launch vehicles. And this is the first iteration. We believe we can bring the price down. So the fact that we have that novel uh, uh, technology, we are able to tap into all the advantages of using hybrid, which is you have much less complexity than a typical liquid uh, propellant rocket engine, uh, but you also have very similar performance. So the fact that you can have such a, a, a performance fuel, dense fuel, that allows you to uh, simplify your propulsion cycles, that will allow you to simplify your production methods, manufacturing, integration, testing. And I'm pretty much sure Neil can talk about that. I can talk about the operations aspect and the launch for an hour or two if you want. Uh, so the whole certification of the rocket and the safety qualification, uh, that's also uh, drastically simplified because the fuel and the oxidizer are inert. Both of them are safe. Um, launch operations, it is drastically simplified. I'll, I'll just let Neil chip in uh, about that um, as well. Because there's also some gains on the launch on the launch operations, and that's something that is really neglected by uh, other fellow uh, startup entrepreneurs working on rockets. Is they focus on the rocket so much, but they forget that you know the rocket is one part of the whole thing. You have to look at regulations. You have to look at the launch, how you're going to launch the whole thing, how you're going to launch a rocket, uh, from where do you, uh, are you going to launch it, and, and everything. So I'll just yeah let you, let me chip in. Well, yeah, no, the, the uh, part, part of the advantage on my end is that the fuels are far, far less dangerous and far less toxic, and they do not act as environmental contaminants. And this is very helpful in terms of licensing and especially performing any sort of uh, environmental review. It makes the job a lot easier. It makes the con-ops a lot safer for uh all our employees who will have to assemble the actual rocket on site, and uh, the uh, the extra safety from this does actually improve the uh, operations significantly. So, would you call your rocket a, a next generation green rocket? Um, I mean, I'm not sure. Maybe we could do that. It it, it is. It is, I would say, significantly better for the environment than uh, competing solutions. Uh, sure, sure, I guess if you want to call it that. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying that it's a, it's a more environmentally friendly rocket is what I'm trying to get at. Well, it fits that bill uh, if you compare it to solid rocket motors or other, uh, you know, more toxic propellants like uh, – uh, MMH and TO or UDMH and TO or all these kind of you know toxic hypergols and, and of course it's 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 much greener um, if you go that route. Uh, is it the main advantage? I would say what your customer is really looking for is to have a dedicated launch that is cheap. And if it's green or not, I mean of course it's better if it's green. But most of the companies we talk to. Yeah, kind of couldn't care less, but it's important for us because we do believe we have to make an effort. I mean, you can't always keep launching and 
just not caring. Uh, and also for regulatory aspects, uh, there is going to be some changes uh, in some uh, parts of the world where you cannot really launch a rocket if it's really you know, polluting or, or using toxic propellants, etc. So this is really, I think, a, a, a nice uh, cherry on the cake. Um, and, and the initial research project that I started while I was at Polytechnique was to find a way to replace uh, MMH, uh, you know, develop hybrid propellants that can really do the same, the same well, hybrid technology, hybrid rocket engines that can replace toxic propellants. And, and yeah, that, that, that spun up into something else. To, to, to the average viewer here, MMH and UDMH refer <laughs> to uh, different kinds of hydrazine. Um, uh, but 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 in general, the the say like the safety of the uh, vehicle, it does seriously it contribute to the actual final cost. The fact that we don't have to wear uh, spacesuit like protective equipment when we're dealing with parts of it is very very helpful. And I think it's could be safe to say that we've been moving away from using hydrazine for a while. It's still used, but a lot of companies are are trying to you know not use it and use other fuels. Is that correct? For sure. Hydrazine is not going going away anytime soon. Uh, it's, you know, really short ignition delay, very little or almost unnoticeable combustion stability. Like it's 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 your dream fuel, that's that's for sure. But uh, if if you can have the same performance but not having, you know, uh, all the, the toxic and, and carcinogen aspect that comes with hydrazine, um, why not? And there, there, it's a very active field of research. Now, in terms of okay, so you're you're, you're very much focused right now on on uh, getting the fuel, the engine, doing the full uh, scale test uh, later this year, or full size engine test later this year. Um, what about thinking to the future uh, in terms of manufacturing? Um, you know, there are companies out there that are fundraising in part. Because they're saying, well, you know, we're 3D printing yeah. not just an engine, but, you know, the, the whole, whole rocket. Thing. So when it comes to manufacturing, are you thinking about how you're going to set up a manufacturing process to, 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 to get this, uh, to get your rocket built and, you know, the length of time it takes and the cost and the rest yeah. of it? Are you guys working on that? Uh, we, we are. Uh, I, I would say right away, some of our components will likely be uh, 3D printed, but 3D printing is, um, it, it's a tool. And uh, like a hammer, it has its uh, places where it's good for use and places where it shouldn't be used. So uh, while, while we are like focusing on some of these uh, new, new um, how can I say it, manufacturing techniques, we are also looking at a variety of other uh, older and more proven techniques that might be more appropriate for our application. And, uh, and also to keep in mind, uh, we we talk a lot about the engine, but we are also working on other aspects. We are working on the the tanks, the composites. We are working on the structure. We are working on the avionics, the GNC. So it's it's not only the the rocket engine. Uh, we are really working on on everything, but it is pretty much. I mean. <laughs> About eighty percent of your major technical decisions uh, on the rocket are defined by your propulsion system. So you kind of have to work on that, and you kind of have to understand what's going on there. Because um, 
having a better understanding and having a better, uh, uh, I would say, grasp on what's happening on the propulsion side can help you and will help you make better decisions on the overall vehicle and can help you really use some of the advantages that you have if you have some novel or some innovative stuff on your propulsion. So uh, we are working on, on all the other aspects as well, manufacturing uh, included. So we are looking at, okay, how big the factory should be what 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 our assembly line will look like since we have much less components than other typical uh, uh liquid rocket engines uh, liquid fuel rocket engines or liquid fuel launch vehicles uh, that whole aspect is also simplified you need much less people to assemble the rocket so these are all things that we are looking at but of course we are really focusing on what's considered uh you know technical risk because this is what investors and this is what uh, people will be looking at is how far uh, ahead are you or how far are you in the in the risk mitigation process so have you had significant tests that show that okay you're doing something that is close to the final product or are you still uh you know digging and trying to understand what's going on with yourself uh so this is i think what 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 really dictates where we should put our efforts uh, and you know we're a small team uh, super efficient uh, you know like a highly productive team but still not a very big team um and and i think that's that's something that we will look at but we are taking into account the manufacturing we are even fundraising uh, while taking into account the manufacturing because uh, our next step once we are uh, beyond the rocket engine development is really to start uh building a factory uh, we are even looking for places to 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 you know not only rent but also buy uh the 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 the, the uh the piece of land so that we can build our stuff there so it is it is all in the process now i've asked this before but so but i'm going to ask it again um one of the important aspects for some companies these days is the and i totally get it recovery and reuse of parts of the rocket, in particular the engine. So uh, are you guys thinking about that at this point? Or are, you know, because, I mean, it costs money to make an engine, and if you can reuse it, why not reuse it? So uh, is that something that's in the equation, or is that something that you're putting off till you actually have a rocket that's flying and reliable? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead. So... We, uh, we've been asked that question a few times before. Uh, we did uh, our internal studies and we came to some conclusions. There are several, uh, I would say, approaches to this. Uh, it makes sense to recover your uh, launch vehicle if you are launching uh, a larger vehicle where everything is more expensive. But also, uh, the, the purpose of, of reusing the same rocket is really to... Uh, artificially increase your production rate so that you can launch more often. Uh, in our case, that's a problem that is kind of solved. Uh, the rocket is, is overly simplified, so we don't need to go through the whole production. Uh, you know, like producing a rocket like ours takes much more less, much less time than a typical rocket. Another thing, if you want to reuse your rocket, that means you have to have uh, a certain... Uh, performance from the rocket engine uh, that is pretty high. You have to have super, super high thrust rate ratios. You have to have a pretty high specific impulse because if you are flying back your rocket or making sure that you can recover your rocket with a parachute, whatever, well, your parachute is acting like, you know, 
dry weight. Uh, if you are flying back your rocket, well, for your first stage, this is like if you're adding some dry weight. So we have to make sure that you can deliver the necessary delta V for your first stage while keeping the additional fuel and oxidizer to land back your rocket or at least to have a parachute that can open. So that 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 adds some strains on the structure design and on the propulsion and that adds some risk. So in our case, it's really a bet that we're making. It's not a bet. It's it's not like we're not gambling or something. It's it's really something that we we we, we thought of very extensively because we've been asked that question by investors, by customers very early on, like literally before we had anything. Uh, are you going to reuse? Why you're not reusing? So we had to really think that through. Uh, we believe that we can make our launch vehicle cheap enough so that reusing is not worth it. And we believe we can be agile enough and produce you know, that vehicle uh, quickly enough so that reusing doesn't, doesn't make, make, make sense. And uh, going the extra length, uh, working on the extra performance required for the engine and having overly uh, aggressively optimized structures to ensure you can afford to reuse uh, will be, I think, a bit too risky, especially at the beginning. We are now trying to make something go to orbit. So let's achieve that step. Let's go to orbit. Let's show that we can do it because, you know, it's going to be first. If, if when we will go to orbit with our hybrid, it will be the first time ever a company or whoever goes to orbit with a hybrid. So let's achieve that step first. And then from there, there's a lot of option, options that, that we can uh, fulfill. And, and it's not really going to orbit with a hybrid at all costs. It's really going to orbit with a hybrid really cheap. So this is like this is already something that's 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 uh, that's uh, major on its own. Um, so uh, yeah, so it's basically you know let's focus on that first. So we'll leave it at that for this discussion, and we'll revisit let's say two years from now, and then five years sure. from now, and talk for about sure. the heavy lift capability. That's <laughs> that's another discussion. Right. So we're we're running out of time here. Um, what I wanted to ask uh, as my last question has to do with the pandemic once again. And in this case, uh, you guys actually started working on some initiatives, must have been at least a month ago, uh, where you were going to produce some PPE, a variety of things. So can you tell me uh, what you've done, where you're at, and where you're moving forward with that? And, and we'll go from there. Uh, the initial work that was done on the PPEs was launched by our colleagues uh, at uh, the same offices that we share at Saint-Jean. Uh, L'Atelier Serco, we have to give them uh, credit for that. And we basically started helping them initially with our additive manufacturing capabilities and then, you know, some other work. Uh, initially, we could make a few of these, uh, you know, like uh, face shields on a weekly basis, but they realized that the need is, is there and, and people need much more. So they moved to uh, laser uh, cutting uh, the, the pieces for the shield and then they started stamping them. Um, so basically that meant that our printers were not being used anymore. Um, so we got um, uh, introduced to the uh, to Dr. Dr. Uh, Avi from uh, the Montreal General Hospital who is doing uh, heroic work on, on on making sure to you know he's 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 out there and trying to 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 find solutions for his patients, and he's uh, you know 
I mean, the, the work that he's doing is, is really something that cannot be described. Uh, and trying to coordinate all these startups doing the work here is, 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 is he's, he's a national hero. So uh, we, we got in contact with him because he said, well, okay, so there's some extra work and there's some, some, some interesting uh, medical approaches that can help alleviate the pressure on the medical system. And that means, you know, now when people are critical, they are intubated, but there's also some alternative ways. And he is exploring these methods. Uh, so you can use oxygenation through non-invasive ventilation. And this is, we came in. So basically they had two ideas. We decided to go with one concept, uh, which is basically taking a snorkel mask, uh, making modifications. We developed a, a, our own new valve, if you want, that can allow uh, patients to uh, breathe properly uh, using that system uh, without being intubated. So there is currently some some work on that. Uh, the the thing is, if, if it's successful, uh, we will be able to uh, basically take some of the patients away from the ventilators so that the ventilators are really used to people who need them absolutely. Uh, we did apply for a grant with the IROP. Uh, Hopefully we'll get it. Even if we don't get it, we are working on that uh, with or without the grant. So it's it's really, you know, Montreal was really hard hit with the COVID nineteen, and uh, if if we can help in a way or another, like we're we're lucky to be healthy, uh, but there's people who 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 are not as lucky as us, and you know, it could be anyone. It could be my mom. It can be it could be you know whoever's family. So if we can do work and help well let it be and and i think it's it's just our our duty as as citizens as as humans to try to help you know in, in any mean we can and it's it's not really something we talk about it's not something we 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 want or we wish to talk about it's really just you know when you go home after a big day of work and and you know that you've done the right thing it's 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 a priceless feeling so yeah now Going forward, though, uh, how does this fit in as you get back to work? I mean, are you going to take the design and say, hand it off to another company if it works to, to produce that for you? Or, or are you still going to do that internally? Um, well, our goal is, is not really to, to, to you know, we, we decided to make rockets and, you know, we were rocket people and <laughs> we want to stay in the business of making rockets. Uh, we will help in, 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 in whatever way. If, if, if we are the, the best suited to make the production, we'll produce. If someone else can do it better than us, well, they'll do it. We, we're not really here to make a profit. We're not really here to, we're just here to help. So if, 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 you know, we want to have the capability to, uh, engineer those masks and engineer those devices because it seems to be very critical. Um, so if there is another pandemic, we will be in a better position to help faster. Uh, so hopefully this medical system will not be overloaded, but we are not really trying to use this, you know, we won't be selling masks. We won't be, uh, you know, going into the, the, the biomed uh, business. We, we are rocket engineers and it's just going to stay like that. But it's very funny to see there's a lot of common stuff between the biomeds and the, the, the rocket engineering stuff, like uh, understanding fluid dynamics and then gas dynamics, et cetera, is something that can be uh, reused pretty, uh, yeah, pretty elegantly. Well, um, I'm hoping that there's, we get through this pandemic sooner rather than later and that we don't have another pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> Although of course. That will obviously happen, uh, or not obviously, but it, statistically it will happen again in the future. Uh, at least I think so. 
Um, well, uh, gentlemen, it's it's been fascinating to, to to hear what you guys have been doing, how you've been coping, how the company's doing, uh, you know, how you see the way uh, forward for the business. Um, from what I understand, you might have some news in the near future of uh, some interesting <laughs> oh, things that are that are going on. We don't uh, know about that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, we'll obviously uh, stay in touch, uh, but. Uh, uh, thank you for coming on the podcast, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best. And uh, thank you very much. Stay safe. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Have a good day. Well, that's a wrap on this podcast. If you have comments on this episode, you can email me at podcast at spaceq.ca. I read and answer all your comments in a timely fashion. You can also find SpaceQ on Twitter at Canada in Space, and we post all our articles and podcasts to Facebook. Regardless of which app you use to listen to us, we'd really appreciate it if you could rate our podcast and write a review. Of course, that's only if you like us. Your rating and review will help us in getting the podcast widely listened to. And hey, if you like what we do, please support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash spaceq.